And uh, we turn to the, the message now. Let me kind of frame where we're going uh, today. We're in this Ephesians series, of course, and we're working our way uh, through the book kind of um, uh, uh, verse by verse. And we're at the last part of chapter three today. And in the book of Ephesians, uh, the book kind of has two halves. The first half, the Apostle Paul is dealing with our identity in Christ kind of uh, in, 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 a, in a kind of big way, trying to answer the question, who am I as a Christian? What does it mean for me that I, I'm in Christ? What does that mean? And then the second half is really about our calling as Christians, answering the question, what are we supposed to do? So the book is really helpful. He wrote it as a circular letter to be circulated among all the churches of Asia Minor, and it really continues in that capacity to this day. This is, this is direct teaching for every church of every time, our identity in Christ and our calling in Christ. And the part we hit today is the final part of that identity emphasis. It's the grand finale of our identity in Christ. So I want to just frame this so that when we listen to the text, we kind of come to it with that understanding. When, when Paul, as we'll hear in just a moment, begins this portion of scripture, he starts with these words. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. So th- the three words, for this reason, refer obviously to something he has said before. It's referring back to everything that Jesus has done for us along with our knowledge of it, that, that by faith God has revealed this to us. So it's what Jesus has done plus our knowledge of what Jesus has done. So for this reason, I kneel, says Paul. And that was incredibly significant in the ancient world because the the standard posture of prayer for a Jewish man was standing, not kneeling. If you look through the scriptures, there are a few illustrations of people kneeling, but it was always to illustrate just a deep degree of earnestness. It was when people were pleading with God for something. So Paul is pleading with God for what he's about to pray for the church, for us. For this reason, I kneel. He's praying. There's nothing like prayer to reveal our true concerns. You know, we pray for what uh, makes us anxious. We pray our hopes and dreams to God. We pray our deepest longings and desires. We pray what we value. And the Apostle Paul is praying that. In another place in the Bible, Paul kind of just tells us what he considers his purpose to be, what he's doing. Jesus is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Paul wasn't just interested in getting people to kind of accept Jesus and calling it good. He was so deeply interested in making disciples out of believers, He wasn't satisfied with just an intellectual faith. He wanted everyone in the church, uh, brother, sister, man, woman, boy, girl, to be fully mature in Christ. And that's what Paul is praying for us in this passage, as we'll read in just a moment. He's praying what he values, which is that we might find full maturity in Christ starting with understanding who we are in Jesus. So let's listen to the the passage together. The scripture from the third chapter of Ephesians. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. 
I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Paul is praying into reality an experience that's available for every single one of us. Uh, God strengthens people with power through the Holy Spirit in our inner being. Strengthen, not like doing curls and getting a strong bicep, but strengthen, like invigorate, give, give health, make whole, make fit, that kind of strengthening. Strengthen with power. Power, the Greek word, dunamai. It sounds like dynamite because it's the root of that English word. Power. In the Bible, it can mean explosive power like that, sheer force. More often, it refers to God's miraculous power to help us. So God strengthens us, invigorates us, makes us whole with miraculous power working within us. Who wouldn't want that, right? How does God do it? By the Holy Spirit living within us. Why does God do it? The text tells us, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. Now you might be thinking, wait a second here, I've always heard that when a person gives their life to Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit and Christ lives in you. You would be right. So what's this about? Because I thought Jesus was already in there. In, in the original language, there's a distinction between uh, uh, dwelling. There are two words used for dwelling, a temporary dwelling and a permanent address. So the difference here is between opening the door to Jesus every once in a while when it's comfortable or convenient for us or when we have some need or you know, giving Jesus the keys and signing over the deed, letting him establish his permanent, permanent address in our hearts. Says Charles Hodge, the indwelling of Christ is a thing of degrees Right? We don't just let Jesus in every once in a while. The work of life, the work of becoming more Christ-like is allowing him to set up house here permanently forever. It's why the Apostle Paul in the second half of Ephesians, when he's talking about what we should do, can write this. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Meaning, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is an ongoing activity to which we're called. Keep seeking the fullness of, your, of the Spirit in, in your inner being so that Christ can live here 
through faith. It all fits together, doesn't it, this message of the Bible? That scripture speaks of an earthly realm and a heavenly realm. Jesus, in the first words of his public ministry, said, uh, uh, the time has come. The kingdom of God has drawn near. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is, is near. Not like the other side of Grand Rapids near. Not like the other side of the parking lot near. Near, like right here. When Jesus dwells in our hearts through faith permanently, everything we see is seen through the Jesus lens and the lens of the depth of his love for us. When Jesus lives here permanently, every, every word that comes out of our mouth runs through that filter. What we choose to look at with our eyes runs through that filter. What we choose to listen to, uh, what we see, he's right here all the time. That's what Paul's praying for us. And it is an experience that's actually possible for followers of Jesus. See, if you are in Christ, Christ is in you. Wow. Now, if this is the grand finale of Paul's big identity piece, we have to call time out and ask, do we really believe that? It's one thing to kind of show up routinely at church and be very committed and do all the right things and have intellectual faith But our identity now, our understanding of ourselves, your understanding of you, is your understanding of you based first and foremost on the reality that Jesus lives right here. That's what Paul Paul is praying for us. The permanent address of Jesus right here all the time, everything unbelievable and then and then he goes on from praying that that miraculous power might help us allow Jesus to take up permanent residence here to to praying that we might be fully aware of it fully aware of this great truth that Jesus is here here's the next part of the text and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power there's that word again miraculous power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. The prayer is that once we're rooted and established in love that we might grasp and know the love of Jesus. You know, love is the thing I mean, Jesus came to make people new, not just to add a nice spiritual element to our lives. He came to to change us, to reclaim us, to redeem us, to to make us the people we were originally designed to be. And, And in this new community of made new people, the preeminent value is love. And Pastor Josh hit it last week, right? Uh, one of the distinctives of the Christian church is that really in in the history of the world, the church is the first significant multi-ethnic, multicultural community in the world. Why? The love of Jesus. The one thing that can help human beings 
overcome their default setting toward division. A love that surpasses us, that is way beyond us. I mean, love's the thing. It's a Jesus kind of love now. Love that springs from grasping and knowing the love of Christ for us. We love because he first loved us, says the scripture. And Paul says that I pray that you being rooted and established in love. He mixes metaphors here. One is biological, botanical really, the other architectural. Being rooted like a tree with deep roots and those roots are the source of its security and stability. Established, meaning built upon, founded on. Strong foundation, it's architectural here. Built on something with deep and strong footings upon which your security and stability resides. Rooted and established in love. The love of Jesus for people. A love that's broad enough to encompass everyone everywhere. Long enough to last for eternity. Deep enough to reach all the way down to where you and I are. In all of our darkness. You know yours. I know mine. Jesus can reach us there. Really. That's what he did at Christmas long ago. And and a love that's high enough to exalt that same person, you and me, from our, our deepest, darkest place to the very throne room of God, right? We may approach the throne of grace with confidence because of what Jesus has done. And you, you can't grasp the full dimensions of the love of Christ and remain unchanged. I, it, it's, it's, it's sad that I have to ask this because there have been so many school shootings now But do you remember back to 2006 and the West Nickel Mines shooting? Some of you might because it was so horrific. A man experienced, evidently, a a mental, emotional, spiritual break. We don't know. Maybe some of all of those things. With his gun entered an Amish schoolhouse in West Nickel Mines, Pennsylvania, where he proceeded to shoot 10 girls, five of whom died. Stunningly horrific. Even more stunning, the Amish community's response. Do you remember it? An elder of the church asked to meet with the father of the shooter. When they met, all the father could do was weep for a long time. The elder of that church simply held him and loved him. Parents of one of the victims reached out to the wife of the shooter who was utterly distraught, invited her and her children into their family and loved her. They became so close that she was one of only a very few people outside the Amish community to be invited to an Amish community wedding, an older daughter of that same family.
Do you have that? Do I have that? I want that. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. You ever asked how you know something that surpasses knowledge? It's revealed to you. It's given to you. That's how. That you may be filled to all the fullness of God. I don't know how that works either. But evidently Paul is praying into being a reality that is possible for us. That we might be filled not just with a little of the fullness of God or some of the fullness of God, but all the fullness of God. And you start to get a glimpse of the kingdom kind of life that's possible in Jesus, which is what the Sermon on the Mount is all about, by the way. Where one might actually love their enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Where not only is your first instinct not to hit back, but to embrace and pray like Jesus, forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they're doing. That's love. And Paul prays that we might have power, miraculous power now from God to get this, to allow Jesus in all of his fullness and love to live here all the time. And Paul kind of moves from this limitless love to the limitless power that's available to the follower of Jesus with the last verses. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Now before you discard this because of your own experience of suffering or because God didn't seem to answer your most earnest prayers for the one you loved dearly, and yet still lost. Before we discard this, remember who wrote it. He suffered. He suffered a lot. And if anybody had the right to ask God, why didn't you? Or why wouldn't you? It was this guy. But he didn't do that here. He prayed that we might have special power from God so Jesus might dwell permanently within us. He prayed we might grasp and know the love of Jesus because Jesus is the one who changes us and, and his love compels us towards Paul's grand conclusion in Romans 8. If God is for us, 
Who can be against us? Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thus, this passage in Ephesians, not only does he love us, he is able. He is able to do. He's able to do what we ask. He's able to do what we think. He's able to do all we ask or think. He's able to do much more than all we ask or think. He is able to do all of that. You might ask, does prayer change things? Absolutely yes. There is no doubt. Christianity is not Islam. We don't simply throw up our hands and say, Inshallah, if it's God's will. The text says God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is work within us. There's that power word again, miraculous power now. So the grand conclusion to Paul's identity piece, who are you? Who am I in Jesus? Temple of the Holy Spirit, if Christ If you are in Christ, Christ is in you, living right here. And he didn't leave his love behind when he moved in. He brought it with him. And that love is enormous, high and wide and and deep and long. It includes a love for everyone, everywhere in the entire world, wanting everyone to come to a knowledge of the truth and be saved. It's the same kind of love from which Jesus' command to, to love your enemies emerged. It's the same kind of love from which his prayer on the cross emerged. Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. Do you have that? Sometimes I feel like I need to start by praying, Lord, help me to want that. Help me to not hang on to my own stuff so tightly that I kind of want... I just really want my ounce of flesh more than your love to really take up permanent residence here. If you are in Christ, Christ is in you. And and one slice of what it means to be a fully mature follower of Jesus, that to which the Apostle Paul was working so tirelessly, one slice of that is to allow Jesus to live here permanently and to grow in your ability to see everything through the lens of of his love. May it be so to us, Lord Jesus. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Pray with me, would you? Lord, we all stand before you Uh, understanding that you know us. You, you know everything about us. There's nothing in us or our lives that is hidden from you. And we pray, God, that you would help us. Would you pour out your spirit on us? Would you draw us to you? Thank you for the promise that your mercies are new every morning. I'm in such 
great need of that. Thank you that we can start fresh with you right now and that your patience with us means salvation. Lord, speak to us. We're listening. Our desire is to follow you and become more like you. Please help us. We pray in your name. Amen.